We welcome you this morning to the Lord's house. We want to make a start in our worship, please, as you take your seats and settle your own hearts before the Lord. Number 288, I hear the words of love. I gaze upon the blood. I see the mighty sacrifice, and I have peace with God. Let's stand, please, as we worship this morning. unite our hearts this morning in prayer, and as we do so, we come to thank the Lord for a new day, and for the Lord's day, and for the strength and health that He gives to us to be in His house. This is a very precious thing, and let us never take that for granted. There are many of our seniors and shut-ins, those who are not able to be in the Lord's house, and they long to be here. And so as you are here in body, and God has granted you that measure of health, well, we thank Him for that today. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we rejoice this morning that once more we have been given this privilege to be in the place of worship and of prayer where the Word the inspired, infallible, inerrant Word of God is in our hands, and we have the great joy and privilege and responsibility of opening that Word and unfolding its truth. We pray for the Holy Spirit's help and that we will know the truth of Christ revealed 
from the Word to our hearts this morning, and that, Lord, we will grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Dear Father, this morning we acknowledge our unworthiness. We acknowledge again, Lord, that we are sinners saved by sovereign grace. And Lord, this morning we are thankful for Your great love to us. And we have been purchased not with things that corrupt, not with things of this world, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish and without spot. And so, Lord, today we give thanks for our Savior and for all that He means to us because of all that He has done for us. And we can say, as the psalmist did, we love Him because He first loved us. And so, Father, this morning we lift our praise and our thanksgiving, our appreciation for all that we have received, and every temporal mercy and blessing, and they are many, but of all the spiritual things and the hope that we have that is firmly grounded in our hearts, that which is not wavering, not shaken. Lord, we rejoice. We have a home in heaven and that one day before too long we will be in the presence of our Redeemer and we will see the face of our Lord Jesus and we will be like Him for we will see Him as He is. And dear Lord, strengthen our hearts, we ask, in the meantime, and for every day that You give us on this earth. Lord, help us to use our time, our efforts, our talents, our tithing, all that we have. Help us to use that, Lord, for Your glory and the extension of our Savior's kingdom. This world is troubled and broken, and Lord, there is so much going on of evil and terror and war in almost every area. Crime and violence, those who suffer abuse, those who are persecuted for the cause of righteousness in lands where they are either imprisoned or their liberties have been taken away. And Lord, in our own land where a stand for righteousness and truth is scorned, it's scoffed at. Oh God, Help us, we pray, not to be concerned with those things, but rather we will stand firmly upon the Scriptures and we will walk forward in the light of truth and we will be filled with the Spirit of God, enabled to serve and to do what is required in our day. Help us, Lord, to be useful in Your kingdom. We don't want to be castaways. We don't want to be just couch potatoes. We want, Lord, to be servants of the Most High God, to be active and zealous in the work of Christ. And Lord, we pray that Your blessing would be upon our ministries and all of them, everything that You put in our hands. Lord, we want to do it with all our heart. And therefore, we pray for blessing and protection upon our works. And be with us, Lord, as we endeavor to spread the Word whether it's through the pulpit here and the technology of sermon audio and online ministry, 
our electronic sign, and most of all, for the individual opportunities, Lord, that are given to speak of Christ. Lord, open that door wide in all our lives. Give us the joy of speaking well of Christ. Help us, we pray, to point men and women, boys and girls, to the Savior, and help us to lead them to the, to the Lord Jesus. Our Father, remember our sick ones today. Put again your hand upon those who are in great need. We pray again for Reverend Hamilton this morning. We ask for blessing upon him. We pray for Glenn McFarlane. Your blessing would be upon him as well and his family. And remember, Lord, the many others that we continually hold up before you in prayer. Bless them abundantly, Lord, this day. And so hear our prayers. Remember those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Help them in this time of need. And so, Lord, we pray for our services today. We ask, Lord, not only for today, but we think of each night in this incoming week as we will gather for prayer and we gather to commit our fellowship, our church, our works, and all that we're engaged in, and we place it, Lord, on the altar of sacrifice for service and pray, Lord, You would come and bless us even more than You've blessed us already. For indeed, Lord, You have supplied our needs abundantly And we are very, very thankful for that. Lord, make use of us, we pray. So hear us now. Continue with us in our time of worship. And Lord, again we pray, take away all the stuff that would distract our attention from this sacred hour. This time we have come, Lord, to just give ourselves into Your hand. And Lord, we don't want to omit praying for those who are still unsaved in our gathering, those who are without Christ, Lord, speak to their hearts today. So hear our prayer and be with us now, we ask in Jesus' holy name. Amen. We're going to sing now a paraphrase that is taken from Isaiah 42. We do not have the paraphrases in our current hymnal, and we go back to a previous one that we had and we're using. Nonetheless, the words are on the screen, and so we will stand together and sing these words prayerfully to the Lord.
wonder it is that as the Lord was speaking through the prophet Isaiah, and He was telling him of the One that was to come, the One who created and formed the isles and the earth and all that we see around us, the great Creator. And He is yet called the servant of Jehovah, the servant of the Lord God. And He is the One who we spoke about last Lord's Day morning and the great declaration that the prophet was able to make the Lord speaking through him, Behold my servant. And we thought last Lord's Day about beholding him who was so high, so precious, so vital to our salvation. And we thought on him and we pray again this morning that the Lord will draw us nearer and nearer to him. We're going to read now in our congregational reading in John chapter 1. The Gospel of John, chapter 1. These are familiar words to us. We're looking at the first 14 verses here. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness. The darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by Him, and the world knew Him not. He came unto His own, and His own received Him not. But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Lord bless His Word to our hearts. We're going to be continuing on in verse 15 later in the service. You keep a marker there. Very precious words and a tremendous truth that has been outlined for us in God's holy Word again today. Welcome to our service this morning. Glad that you are here. If you're visiting with us for the first time or you've come back to be with us, you are very, very welcome in Christ's name. We Hope you'll take a moment 
and sign our visitor's book before you leave today. We'll have a record of your stay with us. And if you're visiting our service online this morning, the first time, we invite you to send an email to us. We can have record of your stay. And if you have any prayer request or some way we can help, then please let us know. We certainly welcome all the folks online uh, today as well. Let's continue to remember Reverend Stephen Hamilton, please, in your prayers that God's hand would be upon him and the other um, ones in our congregation who need help. And remember in prayer, uh, Joan and Duncan. Good to see Joan in the service today. Joan, we know you've not been doing well. We're glad that you're here with us this morning. And we continue to hold you and Duncan before the Lord in prayer. And also, it's good to have Glenn with us this morning as well again in uh, the service. Remember him and also his family. The service is this afternoon. Well, they are at 5.50, our pre-service prayer time. We meet in the fellowship room, which is just outside the door here on your right hand. And we encourage you to come back to the evening service and then to join us for the time of prayer at 5.50. Our evening service is at 6.30 in the evening. And we want to invite you all to be a part of those important meetings. And then we also will be having each night this incoming week our congregational annual week of prayer. And that means that each evening from 7 o'clock until 7.30, rather, make that note please, from 7.30 to 9 o'clock, we'll be meeting for times of prayer. On Monday night, I want to bring you a message that I hope will encourage us as we consider our own personal walk with God. Where are we with the Lord? What do we need spiritually and personally to face this new year and to be what we should be and where we should be with the Lord? And so I trust our hearts will be challenged tomorrow night as we think about that personal and deep work of the Spirit of God that must be done in us. Of course, this is not just for one night of one meeting for prayer. This is something that we need to be emphasized and have emphasized in our hearts regularly. And so we are praying for that. Listen, if our church is not a praying church, if our people are not a praying people, then we cannot expect the Lord to do much through us. There are very solemn words, you know, when Jesus went to Nazareth, his home place. And when he went there, we're told in the Bible that he could not do many mighty works there because of unbelief. Well, the Lord will not do many mighty works anywhere if it's not for a praying people. And so we must be a congregation who believes in prayer, and I, I understand that we do. And we must then press on before the Lord and be earnest about this, You know, the world would despise it. What is this? A bunch of people gathering together in a room, and they talk one to another out into open air, and the world looks upon this and says, what is going on here? This is pointless. This is useless. And I will tell you, the little despised prayer meeting is a place of power with God. And don't forget that. It's so vital. 
We do not despise or think, oh, well, I'll just put this off. This is not that important. I will tell you, it is very important. And in a congregation, we need to seek the Lord with all our hearts and our souls. On Tuesday evening, our brother Fraser will be bringing the message to us. And we want to think about our local office bearers, our elders, our deacons, our workers. We want to pray that God will come upon all in the service of the Lord and to pray that we will go forward in serving Him. And this is going to be an important part because we are as a congregation going to be seeking for the election of two new elders to our, our session. This has been presented to the presbytery already, and we have sought for what is called moderation, which simply means an informing of the presbytery that we would like to move forward in the election of two office bearers. And so that has been approved, and we look forward to that with anticipation for what the Lord is going to do. That's why prayer is so important that we are seeking God for the right men to be placed in those positions that God has firmly, clearly established in the New Testament. And so we will be praying much about that. We're setting it before the congregation so that you can also be in prayer about that as well. And we'll be giving you more details as far as the timing and the nomination that we want to do and so on and going forward. Then on Wednesday night, our focus will be on our missionaries and mission works. And so much have we been a part of that in our congregation, and you have supported the missionaries both from the church in our extra offerings as well as we do through the funds that we send to our our presbytery in order to support our mission field. These are vital things for us. We want to be a, a church that is looking out and going beyond our own borders. And so we are praying for those who are serving the Lord in other places. Along with that, we're thinking about the persecuted church. And more so is that increasing today. There are so many believers that are in, in places around the world that don't have the freedom that we enjoy right now to come and just gather and worship as we choose, they cannot do this. They are meeting in secret. They are meeting uh, away in closed-off places. Well, we don't want to forget them. Thursday night, we're looking forward to a special time as we think about the prayer needed for our school, the greatest, the largest ministry that God has given to us. And we're going to have representation from our school to come and to present that night and to share their burden and share some things that they want us to remember in prayer. And so that Thursday night, looking forward to that. And then on Friday evening will be a time of thanksgiving and praise to the Lord and looking to the future of what God is going to do and what we look forward to with a great anticipation. So thinking about that, we will also have fellowship time after on Wednesday and Friday nights, and so please keep those things be much before the Lord. Next Lord's Day, our Sunday school at 9.45. Again, let me encourage you to be at those meetings for the adult, the youth, 
junior and the smallest one, the uh, sunshine room. We want to remember all of these different classes and times before the Lord. A couple of things to leave with you. We have the newest edition of our current magazine on the shelf, or pardon me, on the tables at the back. Please pick them up and make use of them, read them, and pass them on to neighbors and friends. Use them as a form of outreach. And then we also have the 2024 edition of our own phone directory for our congregation. If you would like one of those, you speak to one of the men at the back as you're leaving today, and you can get a copy of that for your own private work. Make sure you keep that to yourself. That's something for our congregation only. Those are all the ministry announcements, but you will, I want to say a word of thanks this morning to our brother Robin Cleland, who has done a lot of work in decorating the church. The side walls and so on were painted some time ago, and we've been moving through a bit of a, an upgrade and a freshen-up look around. And so you can see behind, we have painted some of the walls behind, all have been done, and we appreciate the work that Mr. Cleland has done. It's it's kind of a work in progress. Uh, we're working to see just how the color scheme is doing, and sometimes you just can't do it until you put some paint on the wall and you have a look and see just how it's going to be. You would think that the center column behind is a different color from the walls that you see here, but it's an identical color, and it just goes to show you that the lighting changes things a lot, and the wall directly behind me that was green for so long, well, it's the same color as the walls as well, but the lighting helps to, to make a different hue on these things. But we're praying that the Lord would help us and direct us in these matters. We want the house of the Lord to be attractive and beautiful and pleasing, and we want to do our best to maintain and keep up the Lord's house as well. Let's worship the Lord again, please, with number 334, 334, and I know that as you get off to a good start in the year, January is sometimes a difficult month to, well, pay off all the credit card bills that have amassed over the Christmas time, but don't let those bills affect your giving to the Lord, your tithes and offerings. Uh, we've had a very good year. And we thank the Lord for the tithes that have come in to maintain the house of God and all the works that we're doing, and we don't want to let down. And if you're new to our ministry, well, then we encourage you also to enter into the blessing of giving unto God, giving unto His work. And if you want to do that, you're, we, you're welcome to do so. There are envelopes in the foyer, and the two offering boxes are on the walls in the foyer as well. And we also had offering envelopes. If you received them last year and you want to have them, uh, we've kind of put them together and put them away. Most people took them who, who wanted them. And so if you still need yours, you speak to one of the… Well, I'll speak to Maher Lewis. He's our treasurer, and he'll help you sort out and uh, get those envelopes if you would like them. Number 334, My Savior's Love. Let's stand, please, as we sing.
please turn back to John chapter 1. John 1, verse 15. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake, that he cometh after me, is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness all we received and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. And this is the record of John, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. But they asked him, What then? Art thou Elias? And he said, I am not. Art thou that prophet? And he answered, No. Then said they unto him, Who art thou? That we may give an answer to them that sent us. What sayest thou of thyself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. And they which were sent were of the Pharisees. And they asked him and said unto him, Why baptizest thou then, if thou be not that Christ, nor Elias, neither that prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you whom ye know not. He it is who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoe latchet I am not worthy to unloose. These things were done in Betharba beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. Let's bow, please, in prayer. And Father, we pray now that as the Word is open and as we have read the Scriptures, that the Spirit of God will come to help us understand and take away distractions. Give me strength, Lord, to speak this Word faithfully, clearly, plainly. Let no one misunderstand. Lord, I need the help from heaven the Holy Spirit's power to speak the Word. Lord, hear our prayer this day. Give an understanding heart, I pray, 
And bless us as we look to our Lord and Savior. And may He be lifted up and exalted today. We ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Last Lord's Day morning, I spoke to you from Isaiah 42. In the opening verse, we sang the paraphrase, God said, Behold my servant. And I want over the next few Lord's Days uh, to consider those exhortations we're given in the Word that direct us to our Lord Jesus. And today we have before us one of the greatest texts in the Bible found in John 1 verse 29, where John declared, Behold the Lamb of God which beareth away the sin of the world. But I want to just back up by way of introduction a little bit as we think of the situation that Christ was in recorded in Matthew chapter 12. He and His disciples had been walking on the Sabbath. His disciples began to eat some of the corn, and they were criticized by the Pharisees because it was the Sabbath day. Christ responded to them and gave them some Old Testament references about what David had done and even what the Levite Levitical priests do in transgressing or going against the, the holy place, and yet were blameless. And, and the Lord was pointing out to them, there are circumstances that go beyond, and there are situations where it was allowable, you were not bound in something, the principle was set forward, but Christ would emphasize to them that He is the Lord of the Sabbath. And we are to come to the Scriptures and understand the meaning and the import and the principle behind what is being taught. And so the Lord went from that time into their synagogue, and at the same time there was a man who had a withered, crippled hand. And he was used by the Pharisees at that point as kind of common bait. They wanted to see would Christ heal this man on the Sabbath day or not. But the Lord knew their hearts, and He turned the occasion on them to show their spiritual blindness and really their ice-cold hearts. They would feel justified, Christ told them, of lifting an animal out of a pit on the Sabbath day, but they would have some kind of scruple about healing a man or as Christ would say, releasing a man from his bondage in the crippling that he had suffered. And the Lord went on to heal that man. Well, they were publicly humiliated at that time. They wondered, how could this arrogant prophet say such a thing to implicate them as not knowing the Scripture and tying them up in knots? Well, the Lord went from there. He left them because they had plotted and planned to kill Him, and they were going to take Him as a false prophet. And so what did the Lord do? He just excused Himself and went away from them. And when He left the synagogue and went out, we're told that a great crowd, a great multitude followed Him. 
And these great words follow. And He healed them. And He healed them all. All that came to Him. But there is a strange thing that follows. He charged them, don't tell anyone who He is. How strange is this, you might ask. Didn't the Lord come to this world to make Himself known to men? Yes, most certainly He did. But it was not by the means that most of the world would think of, for our Lord was very, very different from that. And that goes exactly along the line of what the prophet spoke in Isaiah 42, the first four verses, Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. Note this, he shall not strive nor cry, neither shall his voice be heard in the streets. And as we thought about that, last Lord's Day, make no mistake about it, that what is quoted in Matthew chapter 12, is exactly taken from Isaiah 42. And so it unmistakably shows us and identifies who it is that's being spoken about. Messiah that was prophesied from Isaiah 700 years later is now standing in the place of Israel, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the servant of the Father, but he was unlike all other men. Unlike them because he was not a man that would be given to striving or ranting. His voice in the streets would not be one of clamor. It would not be one of making some protest and holding up a sign. It would not be one to draw attention to himself, seeking any kind of strife or sedition. He was not going to move the people in some kind of revolt. That was not the Lord's way. He was a different man than that. We know that. Matthew Poole, the commentator who was a contemporary of Matthew Henry, he said, these words declare the meekness and gentleness and modesty of our blessed Savior, His meekness that He should not do His work in any passion or roughness, nor carry on His kingdom with any strife or violence. Therefore, when the Pharisees took counsel against Him, He made no opposition, but peacefully withdrew until the time when He was to be delivered." not setting a trumpet to his mouth when he had wrought a miracle that people might take notice of it. Instead of it, he charged persons healed not to publish it. That was the Lord's way. He was a way that did not draw attention to himself. How the prophet was so accurate in speaking about what the Savior would be like. But now we come in the steps of prophetical revelation to another prophet whose name was John, John the Baptist, whom Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 11 was the greatest of all prophets and all that were born of women. And why was John declared by Christ to be so great? 
It is because He was given the honor of introducing the beginning of Messiah's ministry, the Son of God who had come to fulfill the purpose of redemption. And He spoke these very direct and simple words, Behold, the Lamb of God, which beareth away the sins of the world. And my friend, this statement of John that has echoed throughout the world from the time it was declared contains the message of hope, of peace, and of love to all who will receive it by faith. And as we think about this today, I pray that these words will be written on our hearts. If you are a believer, that they will be rewritten on our hearts, that we will have them enforced and enlarged, expanded in our understanding, our comprehension of them. Ah, but friend, if you're not a Christian today, if you don't know Christ as your own Savior, then I pray that you will today look to the Lamb of God who has borne away your sin, that you will taste and see that the Lord is good. So far then in our introduction, we've gone back a little bit to tie the connection between the message of last Lord's Day from Isaiah, where God said, Behold my servant. You see those words repeated in the New Testament to validate and identify who Christ is. And now another prophet, a great man that Christ said was the greatest of all, has now made another declaration. Behold, the Lamb of God. And so, in our services today, this morning I want to focus on this simple question, why a lamb? And tonight in our service, we'll go a little bit deeper into the other parts of that verse. Why a lamb? Of all the animals that John could have used to introduce Jesus Christ, why would he use this animal? Why not a bear or maybe a lion, perhaps an eagle? To answer this question, we go back to Exodus chapter 12 when Israel was preparing their exodus from Egypt. And God told Moses that this was to be the beginning of months for them. In other words, they were going to have a new calendar, and it was going to begin on that particular day of the Passover. Their captivity would be over in one sense as they would be released from their captors and in bondage, and they would begin a new life of freedom. And so we think about how Moses told the people to take to them every man a lamb. Moses told the people to take to them every man a lamb, Exodus 12. And this was to be a lamb for the household that they were in. It's interesting that the word in Hebrews 12 for lamb is actually a kid 
And further in verse 5 of, of Exodus 12, it says, Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year, and ye shall take it out from the sheep or the goats. And so this animal that is given to us many times in the Scripture, it could have been taken as a kid from either of those flocks. But many, many times throughout the Old Testament, the lamb is presented to us as being the animal of choice, if we could put it in that way, that the families would bring on the day of the Passover. And Isaiah chapter 53 also makes very careful reference to that. But the question still comes to our mind, why would John the Baptist say these words, Behold the Lamb of God? We know that animals do not sin. They are by nature innocent of evil, and they operate by the instinct that the Creator has placed within them. Well, of course, in the beginning that's how it was. And then when sin came in, the curse that came upon all of creation affected the animal world as well. And so you have developing from the days of the fall after Adam and Eve had sinned, you had those animals that became predatorial. And in order for their survival, they would kill those lesser animals that were not able to protect themselves, and they would rend them and eat them. So while some of the animals are predators, others have what we will call gentle traits. And their only defense would be running away or hiding. So while all animals are innocent, the picture of a lamb is a picture that displays that innocence with timidity and gentleness. And the Lord chose this animal, conspicuous for its innocence, to represent this truth of the innocent one dying for the guilty one. Now, for Israel, on that night of the Exodus, the lamb had to be killed, that one for each household, and the blood of that innocent animal had to be spread on the side posts of the door and on the lintel of the door. Everyone who was in that house had to partake and eat of the Passover meal. Everyone in the house with the blood that was on that was marked. And so they were saved from the death angel that came over because all the firstborn in all of Egypt from Pharaoh's house right down to the lowest servant's house, the firstborn, they were all taken in death. And so throughout the Old Testament from the time of that first Passover, God has used the sacrifice of the innocent lambs as a message. And He has used that as a word, a beacon light. And it flashes out a message continually throughout all the Old Testament Scriptures. And it pointed to this. 
It pointed to the day that God would send His only begotten Son, the innocent Lamb, to die in the place of sinners. Oh, friend, do not miss this vital connection. If you are without Christ here today, if you don't know much about the Bible, I can understand that sometimes you might think these things are puzzling. They are curious. But as you stop and carefully put together the pieces, God showed by way in the Old Testament the innocent lamb that was put to death. Its blood was shed for a purpose to show that one day there was going to come the Lamb of God. And that one would stand as God's only begotten Son, innocent of any sin, for there was no sin in Him. And He would die in the place of those of us who are sinners. And this is so beautifully illustrated in Isaiah 53 that was written at least 700 years before the time of Christ where Messiah is prophesied. Skeptics and those who rejected God's inspired Word, they saw that in Isaiah's prophecy it was so distinct, so specific, that they said this had to be written at some later time after Christ was on the earth. But then the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered, and it was undoubtedly clarified that those scrolls and Isaiah's complete prophecy was discovered of the Dead Sea Scrolls, and they were acknowledged by those who were the skeptics to be written about 700 years before the time of Christ. And so it was again validated. And you will find that the more that they dig up the earth, and the more that people are excavating and finding sites they discover more, and it proves the validity of God's holy Word. It is true. It is God's precious and holy Word. We're told in Isaiah 53, He was oppressed and He was afflicted, yet He opened not His mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, he was silent. So he opened not his mouth. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Oh, friends, this word, this powerful illustration given to us today, do not lose sight of the Lamb of God, the only begotten Son of God. And I want you also to notice that John the Baptist is the one who prepared the way of the Lord. He is called the forerunner. He noted that about himself when the Pharisees and those who were the servants of the Pharisees came to John and when he was baptizing, who are you? Are you the Christ? No. Are you Elias? No. Are you that prophet that was predicted from Deuteronomy 18, that prophet that would come like unto Moses? No, not that prophet either. Well, who are you then? And John said, I am a voice, a nameless one. 
I am the voice crying in the wilderness. You go back to Isaiah 40 and verse 1, and you will see that prediction and prophecy about John the Baptist who was to come. And John had the great honor of announcing the commencement of the ministry of Messiah. Now, we thought around Christmas time about the blessing of the announcement of the angels from heaven, about the birth of the Son of God at the Incarnation. How can you begin to top such an announcement? But they come one after another, and this particular stage of the introduction of Christ at 30 years old, when He was going to begin His preaching, was announced by John the Baptist, and he had a great privilege to speak of Christ. It was an unparalleled message, those and that one that he identified. He was yet unknown as a Savior. John said, the one I'm telling you about, he is, he is in the crowd, but you don't know him yet. And there was Christ standing there in that crowd, hearing what John was saying. The wonder and the humility of the Creator of all, and yet willing to be introduced by a sinful human being. The great wonder of all this is that the Father who gave His only begotten Son, He is, my friend, the Lamb of God. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What did it cost the Father? Oh, my friend, the cost to our Father in heaven of giving His only begotten Son. It cannot be fully comprehended. There is a small picture by way of illustration in the command that Abraham had been given to sacrifice Isaac, his, as the New Testament calls him, Abraham's only begotten son. At the very last moment, as Abraham had lifted the knife to take his son's life, God stopped him. But my friend, I say to you, who is it that would stop the hand of the Father from bringing the knife, so to speak, upon His only begotten Son? Who is it that would stop the Father from intervening that He would not suffer great loss in the loss of His Son? We cannot enter into these things. Christ, the Lamb of God, the well-beloved of the Father, the One who was loved from eternity with a love that cannot be expressed in human words or thoughts or even our emotions. The sacrifice of the Father here, it cannot be overlooked in the plan of our redemption. For the Father to give up the Son to die in the place of undeserving, not just undeserving, but rebellious sinners, is a compassion and a love that will for all eternity, I think, escape us from comprehending. Ah, friends, this is the message that John had to bring, and he did so with great delight.
But I want you to notice the pulpit wall that is behind me. These timeless words have been on this pulpit wall from the inception of meetings here in this building when it was opened in 1994. And before that, those very same letters that make up that text, they were on the pulpit wall in our other church on Warden Avenue from 1978. They have sentimental value because they were handmade by the first elder of the congregation. His name was Mr. Frank Hinbest. He was a, a carpenter by trade, and he took great care in cutting out each letter. They're made of oak. He sanded them all down. He varnished and finished them. The legacy, you know, of faithful followers and servants of Christ is not to be forgotten. The hall that we have downstairs is called the Hindest Auditorium in honor to Frank and his family. But to us, the value is much more than just finished wooden letters. They are, I say to you this morning, a statement of purpose. They are a message of hope. They are a certainty of everlasting salvation. And for everyone who comes into this building, is it not the first thing that their eyes would go to on the pulpit wall to read what verse of Scripture and what does that mean? John 1 verse 29 is the first text that Dr. Frank McClellan preached on in Warden Avenue and also here at Nielsen and Finch. And may it always, my dear friends, may it always be the theme of this congregation and church. May it always be the message that is preached from this pulpit. Let us always determine that we will stand true to the honor of King Jesus. And let us always direct people to our Savior. For, friends, it is only in Him that a person can be saved from their sin. It's only in Christ, the Lamb of God, that we can be forgiven of all of our iniquity and know the gift of everlasting life. In another notable time marker, it's significant that I am preaching on this verse today, which I had not planned in this timing, as tonight will be the final night that Dr. and Mrs. McClellan will be sleeping in their home on Oak Meadow Boulevard. They have been there for 45 years. Now they're moving to 
a new home up in Uxbridge. In one sense, we can say it's the end of an era because Dr. McClelland is pastor emeritus, of course, the founding pastor of our congregation here. And in the sense that many preachers that have come to visit our congregation from our other sister churches, they have preached and proclaimed God's truth, and they have taken that theme, not everyone preaching that text, of course, but the centrality of the message of Christ has been presented to the people who are here, who have heard. And those ministers have, many of them, have stayed in that home on Oak Meadow Boulevard. It is housed God's faithful servants many, many years. And so, as they have stayed in that home, there are many, many happy memories there. And so, perhaps you can understand a little bit more it's not just an ordinary home. It's not just an ordinary place. And so, they have many mixed emotions as they will take their departure tomorrow and move to their new place. Ah, but we know it's only stones and drywall and steel and so on. And we put that in the right perspective. We understand that. Ah, but what about the precious memories that you have and you take with you from those things? It's good for us to remember our heritage. It is good for us to give thanks to God for the good things that He has done for us. And I encourage those who are new to this ministry, you know very little of what I am talking about now, but I encourage you to take time to investigate, to find out your history and the history of this ministry and what God has done. On the hallway just down to your left hand, there are four presentations on the wall of the history, at least a snapshot of it. Take time to go and visit that and look and see. These things are so very, very important for us. So the words that are behind me today, and for that matter, in front of me in my own Scripture, let them be a perpetual witness to all who come into this house of prayer and this place of worship, and we always trust a place of the preaching of the unsearchable riches of Christ, that they, these words, this text, will shine as a very bright light directing men and women and children to the only One who gave Himself an offering and a sacrifice for sin. Therefore, I say to you, my friend, today, take Christ as your own Lord and Savior. Of all the distractions that cause us to look here or to look there, look to Him by faith, repent of your sins, and receive the Lord Jesus as your own. He is able and will cancel your debt he will forgive all your sin. He will welcome you into His family. He will give you the promised home in heaven, and you will be able on this earth to live free. You will be free to serve Him, 
you'll be free to worship in heart, in soul, in mind, and strength. And then for all eternity, there will be an unparalleled opportunity for us to serve Him. Ah, dear friends, I pray that as we are thinking today on this great declaration of John, that it will be in our hearts. And if you do not know Christ today, stay behind after. I'd be willing to talk to you and show you from the Scripture. You don't need me. You don't need any person. You can just repent of your sin where you are. Call upon Christ, and you will know Him as your Lord and your Savior. We'll close our service now, please, with singing hymn number 239. Fitting words, Behold the Lamb of God, the blood on Israel's altar shed, could not for sin atone. The bullocks, goats, and sheep that bled were but a type alone. For God Himself must pay the price, redeeming love to give. His Son, the Lamb of sacrifice, must die that we might live. There's no chorus on this particular hymn, so we will stand pleased to sing these three verses. morning, as we offer it from redeemed hearts, we acknowledge, Lord, that all that we are, all that we have received, and all we hope to receive in glory is all because 
of our Lord and Savior. I pray that the Lamb will be exalted in our minds, in our hearts. We will walk each day with Him in His presence, in fellowship. We will know the joy of sharing what we have received with others. And so, Lord, part us now in Your fear with Your great blessing. Keep us in the Spirit on the Lord's day and bring us back again to Your house tonight that we might rejoice and worship and pray and receive the truth. Bless us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.